<laughs> just gonna do the long version. What up? What up? Welcome back to the Galati Pod. Uh, this is actually episode number twenty-five. It's the twenty-fifth anniversary of the Galati Pod. This is your host, <laughs> Sean Galati, along with two homies and two co-hosts. The Tripod is back again. We got Samir Dacasa. What's up? And we got Peter Prionis. Happy anniversary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously though, who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? It's, Two years in the making. I know. We're back at the original pod recording yeah. location, Samir's dining table. Yeah. <laughs> we're about did. to go worldwide pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 26. Episode 26 about to take us worldwide. Uh, anyway, so we're coming off uh, annual tradition, Thanksgiving loss against Ohio State. We lost 56-27, I think was the final score. So we're back uh, to give a final pod of the football season, TBD on what's going to happen here after. But we'll start it off, like we always do, with a game recap. Talk about the bowl game. Recording this one week, intentionally the last pad out, out of the gates on this one. Right. So we can give you some thoughts about the bowl game, uh, the college football playoff situation, and then just have like a general week to digest everything, not give some hot takes like we may have last week, and give our thoughts for next year. So we'll hop right into the game recap then. We'll just go offense, defense, special teams, the traditional way of doing it, and... Uh, I think we can actually skip special teams because I think we just <laughs> need to talk about the yeah. main two units. But anyway, uh, let's start it off with the offense then this time. And what are your guys' general thoughts on the offense? Obviously, we started off with a nicer start in the first quarter, uh, going up 6 nothing with a mixed extra point, um, keeping the game close 14-13 before the game finally got out of hand. So what are your overall thoughts on the offense? I mean, I thought the offense looked pretty good. Uh, I... I um you know, we talked a little bit in the weeks after the Michigan State game, uh, what, what we were going to look like against the last few opponents. And I think that um, when we scored 27 points on Ohio State, which is the highest number they gave up all season, including the Big Ten Championship game. So I think there's something to be uh, a little bit proud of there. At the same time, it's like we didn't have the horses to compete in such a, a kind of a high-paced game. And so I don't know that... Um, I don't know that there was a world in which we were going to score much more than that this season, but I think it looks good for next season with Gaddis's offense. And I think we finally saw uh, a diversity of play calling that like really was effective for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think the, the tough part for me was watching this game is just like all the mistakes that the team made mm-hmm. and right. You know, it's a hard, I, like, I don't pin this on like the coaching staff. Like, I mean, you start off with like such an amazing drive, but then you miss the extra point, right? Then you have that sequence where, like, Ohio State's winning, and then Shea goes two runs and then fumbles the ball. I mean, if he had cut it up field for those two runs that are trying to string it outside, you know, we got a touchdown over there. That was an absolute then he, killer. He yeah. fumbles in the, the red zone. Right. Yeah. So two red zone trips, come away with three points instead of, like, maybe 10 to 14. I mean, legitimately, now you're heading into the half, like, way closer to Ohio State than, you know, we've ever been. You know, then you look at uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones dropping a touchdown in the end zone. Yeah. yeah. You look at um, that run by – we were fourth and one in our own end zone. I mean, if Hassan Haskins had been, like, more patient, you know, like, there are videos online of, like, Ben Bredesen, like, looping around and, like, just basically clearing out a hole completely He didn't follow him. the block. He didn't follow the block. I mean, like, yeah, 27 points is, like, decent, but, like, you know, we, we kind of talked about this before the pod, but, like, gone are the days where you can just, like, you know, you're going to win 21-10, even, like – Alabama doesn't do that anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, against really good teams. So you're just going to have to, like, put up a ton of points. I think our offensive staff put us in position to do that. But just, like, 
a lot of mistakes kind of held us back this game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought you did a really good job of illustrating like pretty much every like mishap that happened in the game. I thought I thought we came out firing. I thought the first drive was uh, made us made me feel really encouraged. Jal Jackson coming around the end uh, for the touchdown there. Um, it's not the first time that's happened in recent memory. We've gotten in a, a lead in this game before, and you kind of just felt like, all right, when is this actually going to slip? And of course, it did slip again. Uh, I think. Uh, I mean, tip of the cap definitely goes to, for me, uh, Josh Gaddis. I think the way he finished off this year, uh, including in this game, putting the coach, putting the players in the right position to make plays in space, as he's been saying for months now, mm-hmm. but now he's finally actually putting it together. That I feel really encouraged about. Um, and then with this game in particular, I, I just 100% agree with you. The coaching staff didn't seem like the limiting uh, factor in this game. It was just executing turnovers and just uh like yeah just executing the play calls so it's a little bit encouraging in the sense that hopefully we can fix those execution things maybe we do have the offensive staff now to put things in place for next year uh but as far as this game goes i mean it just didn't happen again we're not gonna uh even though you would like the defense to put up hold them to less than 56 points you're probably gonna need to score more than 27 um so it seems like overall coaching there, players executing not there. I mean, Michigan's never going to win this game unless they <laughs> score more than forty points. Like that, just like that, just like can't happen. Like Ohio State is just too talented for us to like not be able to put up that amount of points and for us to. Yeah, and I think back to the encouraging point moving forward. Like we we've seen from the start of the season till now, the offensive scheme develop in a way that looks like what Gaddis was talking about in the offseason. I think I approached this game not expecting to win. And so while it's disappointing to, to highlight, you know, even up to dozens of things that the players could have done better in the moment, like I think the game plan was pretty sound. And that's what's encouraging moving forward. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing is, like, I think Gaddis is really going to prove himself next year, like how worth it he is. Because, you know, at minimum, we're going to lose about five starters on offense. We're going to lose like mm-hmm. Shea, like both – we're going to lose um, Bredesen, Runyon – McKeon as a ta- as a tight end. There's just like a lot of pieces we're losing. You know, probably Cesar Ruiz, Mike Onwenu. You know, if you look at the receivers, I yeah, mean, most likely uh, Nico Collins is gone. I don't know about the other two. So I think his scheme is good enough where you can plug and play players, and then hopefully you know our offense can kind of keep chugging along. And you know, it's the interesting thing with Warner that we have. We have like a good base of like offensive uh, lineman players that are like waiting in the wings. So let's see how that kind of works out. But I'm excited to see how our offense plays next year. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we get into what we think about uh, some of those specific players in the line for next year, we'll save that for the end. Let's just stick to the game recap then and switch it up to a quick recap of the defense. Uh, again, <laughs> second consecutive year where the defense pretty much consistently. Uh, shat the bed. Now we've given up a combined 100 points uh, to Ohio State in two consecutive years. Uh, just did not look good, start to finish. I'm not sure where we're going to find like any like even single moments of things to feel good about. But anyway, what were your general thoughts about the defense in this game um, and how we fared against Ohio State? I mean, we were just outmatched and or underprepared. I, I think it's a combination of the two. Um, I I think we kind of came into this game worried, as fans at least, um, worried about the quarterback's legs, worrying worrying about, like, can the receivers beat us over the top? And while those things, neither of those were untrue, just like handing the ball to their running back was all they needed to do. They could have run every play and won the game in basically the same fashion. And then, I mean, honestly, I don't know where this – like, obviously, 
Ohio State just ran the ball down our throats. But, you know, if you look to, like, next year, like, what's going to change? I yeah. Mean, we're, we're, like, so happy about, like, you know, playing teams against, like, Iowa and Notre Dame where, like, these teams didn't have, like, a lot of good people up front on their offensive line. So we could actually run four defensive ends mm-hmm. against them and, like, get good push. But against Ohio State, that's not going to happen. And, like, when you look at, like, our defensive tackle recruiting, like, last year we got Chris Hinton – and Mozzie Smith, we saw Hinton actually play out there and he played decent, but we didn't see Mozzie Smith all, at all this year. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I don't think we'll ever beat Ohio State until like we get good defensive tackles that are like big and can hold up against Ohio State. Obviously, that's the main reason why we lost this year. I don't see how it changes. I I think that's just a key point as well. Um, I'm not sure how this is going to change either. We look at the speed that they have on the outside. Um, and we clearly wanted to change how we were running our scheme this year. Last year, we pretty much ran exclusively cover one. We were putting our corners and safeties in man-to-man situations, and we were just getting burned by their speed on the outside. And this year, it seemed like we switched a little bit of our scheme. We started running more cover two and cover three, uh, having more uh, deep help, which did help, but, I mean, clearly they still put up 50-plus points on us. Um, But the key thing for us is just – is the key thing that would change that is being able to match their speed on the outside or them maybe not having as many players in the pipeline that had that kind of speed on the outside. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear that that is not going to happen, at least with regard to them. For next year in their recruiting class, they actually have uh, four of the top 15 wide receivers are in the country are all committed to Ohio State. Um, so this is as far as their speed on the outside and be able to match up with that. Um, that is not something that we're, uh, that is immediately changing as far as their perspective mm-hmm. goes. So, um, yeah, it's just going to be, it's just going to be tough to match up yeah. with these athletes. And, and, you know, when you talk about the outside, like if you look at our cornerback recruiting, I mean, it's been terrible. Like I think, right. I don't know who even got one cornerback last year, which doesn't make sense by the way. We've yeah, had some just, pretty damn good corners in the last five. Right. I mean, years. we've had like Jordan Lewis, Lavert Hill, David Long. I just like, don't know what's happened in the past couple of years. Like, Obviously, we'll probably get Ambry back for one more year. Vincent Gray looks, you know, decent, but I just like don't know who's gonna like step up. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe next year we'll be fine, but like, you know, two years down the road, three years down the road, like, what's gonna what's gonna happen? Yeah, and I think even if like that that was matched, I mean, the thing that was most apparent for me, and I did not uh, and will not rewatch this game, um, but I I like the runs you had like a kind of a typical run play to the right where Dobbins gets and he's kind of stopped up and then there's just no contain and he bounces back left and he's like adding 30 yards to what should have been a couple yard carriage. And I don't know whether that's on the ends or whether that's on the linebackers. The linebackers seem to be particularly um, fooled or, or just like... Kalik un- is slow. <laughs> un- undisciplined. Like that's what it seemed to me. And I think that, that there's there's just so many ways that they can beat you that, I mean, we've ta- talked about three or four different things that we're not going to address all of them for sure anytime soon. So uh, there's just some type of, of um, so many hur- hurdles there to jump over that it's mm-hmm. like easy for us to be sitting here and saying, I don't know when this will happen. Yeah. It, I think the, the main overarching theme about this game is uh, this, I mean, clearly not anymore. I wouldn't call a rivalry a game, uh, I want to call a game a rivalry if one team is just consistently for 20 years just beating down on the, on the other side. Uh, the key thing that I think is just disappointing about this thing is that it used to be the biggest rivalry in college football. Uh, we used to be like faring 50-50 with this mm-hmm. team. 
Um, but now they've just taken that step into becoming an elite team. And unfortunately for Michigan, uh, we have not. I think we're, like as we said on the pod before, I think we're back to the days when we're putting, we can put up double-digit wins in a season. But unfortunately, Ohio State isn't performing at that level right now. They're perform- putting up these undefe- undefeated seasons yeah. every now and then. And with their recruiting classes coming in, we're just not competing at that level either. So if you're trying to look at recruiting, see how it's going to fare for a team two to three years, four years down the road, uh, unfortunately, this is just not going to change. So we're just going to cross our fingers for either a coaching advantage or mm. a fluke game where they're the team committing the turnovers and we're not. Yeah, and it's weird. I like... The fluke game will never happen at the horseshoe because so it seems like we're just hoping for this fluke game once every two games. Once <laughs> yeah. every two games. When I think it's like pretty pathetic. And you think about the fluke, like again, I didn't wa- rewatch this game, but on their first drive, Dobbins had a fumble that like literally yeah. bounced to, back <laughs> yeah. up to himself and like aided him further. And I'm like, okay, this is the type of game this yeah, is gonna exactly. be. Um, not that that I don't think we'd have won if he would have if we'd have gotten that ball. It's just to, to clarify. But no, I think. But I think too, it's like I, I want to, you know, as someone who's maybe the most pessimistic of the bunch of us, like this is this rivalry has been like lopsided in the final score, and the last couple of years have been particularly awful. But like the years prior to that, there were a lot of close games. Like even the the right. years where like our team was complete shit, like. We're like going for two with Devin Gardner to try to win the game, you know, and yeah. then like we could have, we could have, probably should have won that game in Columbus in 2016, and like the John tw- 20, yeah, it's like there's up. there's like a lot of uh, there there are a lot of like breaks that we've missed, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's really like uh, doubled down and amplified this recruiting difference. And like, yeah. if we did beat them next season, that's not going to like turn the tides in, mm-hmm. in like the structure of our programs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think over the course of like, what is it? The past, uh, we definitely lost the last eight in a row. We, ha- we haven't beaten, beaten definitely. a coach not named uh, Luke Fickle in like almost two decades, basically. Uh, uh, we're 15 out of, they've won 15, 15 out of 16. 16. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, it doesn't feel like if you're really dissecting those games microscopically that probably we should have lost 15 of them. Maybe we should have lost 12 of them. Or yeah, or even 10, like, yeah. yeah. Um, but unfortunately, that's the way it's shaken out, and sure. I'm not really sure uh, when exactly the next time will be that we'll actually uh, win this game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's switch it up and go forward and talk about uh, next two things we have are the bowl game and then our overall thoughts for next year. We'll finish up with the college football playoff at the end of all that. Uh, let's focus on Michigan for right now. So next we have uh, so Selection Sunday was earlier today. We're recording this on Sunday, December 8th. And Michigan has been selected for the Citrus Bowl in Atlanta, January 1st, New Year's Day. Orlando. Orlando, what did I say? Atlanta. Atlanta. I think that's the Peach Bowl. (laughs) And we're going against uh, Alabama. So what are your guys' thoughts on this game? Uh, And, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, my only thought is I'm hoping Alabama pulls a last year Georgia where they just completely don't show up so we can win. Because, (laughs) I mean – like ha- like for us to even have a shot, half their players have to sit out, which a lot of them will because I mean a lot of them are draft eligible. They should, yeah. And you know this game, this is the first time a bowl in a while where a bowl game just hasn't meant anything for Alabama. So I feel like a lot of them are going to sit out, probably get healthy for you know the combine, and you know hopefully our players don't, and we can you know maybe <laughs> pull it off. But I mean a lot of things have to bounce our way for this to happen. I think. Probably Gaddis will be motivated to kind of stick to Alabama. Like, obviously, he was on their staff last year. So, a lot of like, it's kind of like, you know, when we were like talking about Ohio State, a lot of things have to bounce our way for this to win. Yeah. 
a lot of things have to bounce away for for us to beat Alabama, and yeah, hopefully we can. I think it definitely depends, like you're saying, on who ends up playing in this game right. for both teams. I think that that'll be something we don't know maybe for another few weeks. Um, I, and I, like I said, I'm one of the more pessimistic ones of us. I think there's a chance here. I think the way the bowl season works now, you don't know whether teams are really going to show up and care or not. I think there is probably some motivation from the Michigan staff to do that more so in the, than the last couple of years. And I really, I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. Uh, Alabama doesn't have a really strong win. They're like, th- their schedule was weaker than yeah. it is most seasons, right. I believe. And so I think that, I mean, I think that this is a, a fairly even matchup with a, a team that otherwise might look like a sure. like a really lopsided game. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like particularly excited to watch it. Like, I don't know that it means that much to me to like see us win, even if we do. Um, but that would be better than yeah. the alternative. I mean, I'm going to watch it because it's Michigan football. But <laughs> I, I personally... I mean, I have a podcast. I'm going to keep watching. <laughs> I mean, I just like... To me, this game just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, bowl game. I mean, like, it's cool to like go to a bowl game and like watch your team play. Nice to get those extra practices for the team. But in the bigger sense, it just doesn't mean anything. Agreed. Well, so I would say for me, it personally doesn't mean too much. It does, I mean, uh, it does mean something to me to like win a football game. So right. in that sense, I, I mean, we're I going for a 10-win season. Yeah, we're going for a 10-win season. We are playing Alabama. There's a subplot line of uh, Josh Gaddis playing his former team. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like going off of what you were saying. Hopefully some of our guys decide to do play in this game. Josh Uche has declared for the draft. He has said that he's going to play in the bowl game. So I, I like the way things are turning like that. But, I mean, we're playing pretty much, you can't argue, like the best team of the past decade in football. So in that sense, I didn't really want to play them. Although, I mean, although you guys are saying this game doesn't mean anything, I think it does mean something in terms of one, recruiting a little bit. I think a lot of uh, players do sign now before the bowl game actually happens. Mm -hmm. So I think it means less than it does in previous seasons. But it does give you some nice momentum, I think, in recruiting the future classes. Because basically, the immediate next step for this coaching staff after a bowl game is to just like hit the recruiting road hard. And if you're coming off a win, I think that means a lot. Um, And then the second thing that I think it matters for this game is just... The, the negativity surrounding this football team in the press and among the fan base, um, I think incorrectly, coming off literally any loss, is so frustrating for me to deal with. I can't stand this fan base after after losses. Like, even ones where, I, I mean, if you're being out-recruited by a team like Ohio State consistently year in and year out, and they've beaten you eight, seven times in a row, now eight times in a row, like, for just seeing the disappointment on fans' faces, like this is like, how is this utterly possible? Literally every single year, the fans next to me calling for Harbaugh's head is just so annoying to me. And mm-hmm. as far as like that negativity being out there, as far as, especially when kids are deciding whether to commit to a school or not, I just think is so annoying to deal with. And I hate answering those questions as far as what do I think about Jim Harbaugh, just especially because I think it's just like, this shouldn't even be a question that we have to, uh, answer year in and year out. So in that sense, I want to win, but I agree with you guys for as far as the other points. Uh, anyway, so let's move it on then and switch it up and talk about how, uh, what we think about this team moving forward and overall thoughts for next year. Uh, and then we can also talk about the schedule, but anyway, what are your, what are your overall thoughts for the team heading into next year? I mean, I'm, I'm positive on our team next year until we get to Ohio state. I think, Obviously, it sucks playing Washington on the road next year, but they're breaking in a new coach because Chris Peterson retired. Right. 
I think Minnesota was just extremely lucky this year. I don't think they were a ten. And, I don't really don't think they were a ten mm. and two team. Wait, is, is Washington? They haven't hired anyone yet, have they? They they're promoting their defensive coordinator gotcha. to head coach. So gotcha, I think gotcha. that's a good thing. And then mm. at least we play Washington when it's their head coach's first game. Agreed. We get Wisconsin and Penn State on at home, and historically we destroyed those teams at home, and they destroy us when they're at their home. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you know I think that's good. Minnesota, like Agreed. we already talked about, we're at Minnesota, which should be tough, but at the same sense, I think they're overhyped. And then obviously this Michigan State, which looks like they're on a downward spiral, so I'm not too worried <laughs> about that. So I mean, I feel like you know, but they won't be breaking in a new coach. <laughs> so I feel like it's it's gonna it's gonna come down to that Ohio State game, and like we've had Harbaugh, Harbaugh's this is next year will be his sixth year, and two out of the five years that we've had. He has headed into Ohio State with a chance to make the college football playoffs. You know, I mean, if Ronnie Bell had made that catch this year, which I mean, it was right, hit him right in the chest, we would it would have been three out of five years. Which is like, I mean, that's that's something. I mean, yeah, I know we, we always get both raced by Ohio State, and that's really really frustrating. It's it's just gonna take something fluky to beat them. But I mean, I think you know, again next year, like we look at, we obviously have this bar of like Ohio State's the best team. But it look, I mean, we're out recruiting Wisconsin. We're out recruiting Minnesota. We're, I think we're pretty much on par with Penn State. I mean, right. these are teams like, you know, we should beat. And it kind of sucks to have Ohio State at the end of the year every single year because like, yeah. that game is just like so magnified. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I think it's good in a sense and bad in a sense because it's always going to be a tough game. So at least we're heading into that game like, quote, unquote, playing our best <laughs> football, which always kind of seems to <laughs> fall apart when we play them. Right. I mean, I think we were playing our best football this year at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, even even the year before that, we were. I mean, but I think it's also important to keep in mind, like how good Ohio State was this just this season. Like thinking about like the teams we played in common, they they handled. So I think that you know, I I think we were playing our best football, um, and that was that was our best football. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but I think like looking ahead to next season, I agree. I think I always get a little bit excited with a new coach or a new quarterback, especially. Right. So there's going to be some energy surrounding that at the beginning of the season for sure, and like the kicking the season off in Washington is going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, and then coming away with a win from that could build some mm-hmm. momentum. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's as long as that goal is kind of in the Big Ten championship goal is like in sights through this, the course of the season, then the season will be fine. Yeah. And and the cool thing is. I mean, obviously it's going to be a away game, but there are a lot of Michigan fans that live up in Seattle. Yeah. So and across the West Coast, who yeah, will exactly. Make the trip. Who yeah. will probably be trying to make that trip? So that'll be hopefully there'll be a lot of Michigan fans there. Uh, and was, so my wife actually went to Washington, and we've been to that stadium. It was gorgeous. Really? So, yeah. If you guys, I don't think we're going to make it, but if you guys can make it, it'll be. I have dope. now recently, after asking my Seattle <laughs> friends what their plans are that weekend, they were like, "Dude, we have a wedding to go to. Aren't you going?" I was like. God damn it. <laughs> I totally forgot I have a wedding that weekend. I'll go by myself. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. That's good. That's like a once in a lifetime Michigan in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That, that but so hopefully, fun. so the year after that, we play Washington in, at home in the big house. So hopefully we can all go to that game. For sure. Uh, yeah. My th- overall thoughts on the season. I, I liked how you break that down. The only game that I might disagree with you with is the one at Minnesota, actually. I'm not sure how fake of a team Minnesota is. I think PJ Fleck is just that outstanding of a coach that I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if that 
if their turnaround this year is sustainable. Um, so that is a game that I think in the middle of schedule is a little bit more concerning, just as particularly because it's on the road. Like you said, Wisconsin, Penn State, both at home. So and at Michigan State is less concerning. So I think uh, this is probably as good of time as any to switch into this uh, real talk or overreaction that we had that Michigan will have no more than one loss heading into OSU next year. Real talk or overreaction? I'll say real talk. I think we've got a number of tough games we're writing out, though. But, I mean, Washington's coming off a tough season, so that yeah. away game looks a little bit better and easier than it would have been. Um, I'm, I am pretty naive on the, like, seniority of the Minnesota roster. I was trying to, like, pull up real quick to see who they're losing. Um, but I, I think they were pretty good this year. I, I'm guessing they'll – They'll lose some of their production next season. So but that'll be tough. And I think like Wisconsin and Penn State at home are both difficult games. Right. Um, but I think that like we're setting up, we should be keeping enough on defense and we should be like having some more continuity and growth on offense to be plausible in, in any of those games. I think probably favorites in the ones at home um, and maybe even kind of toss up in the road games. Um, so I, I mean, yeah. I think losing two games before Ohio State is possible, but I, I would probably go under on that. Yeah, I think. I think we're either going to lose. I don't. Again, Harbaugh hasn't really lost at home against uh, against Penn State or Wisconsin, so I don't really see him losing those games. I do believe Jonathan Taylor is a junior, so most and I mean he's been so awesome that I do think he's going to go to the NFL. I really don't know what Penn State's going to do. They we matched them pretty well when we were at their place this year, so I think. We're going to win that game as well. So between the Minnesota game and the Washington game, I mean, just our road performances just start off so bad and we can't seem to catch up. So I do think we're probably going to lose one of those games. I don't really see us losing, I guess, any other games in our schedule. Yeah, I'm going to say real talk as well. I would not be surprised if we're going into that game with one loss. I would not be surprised if we're going into that game with zero losses. Uh, It seems like, obviously, Michigan can struggle early against a tough opponent on the road. I think it's unclear whether Washington is going to be is going to fit that bill. And if we come out of that game unscathed, then I think we could potentially run the table heading into Ohio State. We will see. Uh, like I said, I think at Minnesota might be the tough one, especially because literally for the three weeks prior to that, these teams are getting 110% of our attention. Wisconsin at home, Penn State at home, uh, at Michigan State followed by at Minnesota. I think we have a buy somewhere in there. Right? There are zero buys oh. in that stretch. Oops. <laughs> Yikes. So that is one uh, tough, murderous row there in the in the middle of the schedule there before we get a slew of cupcakes <laughs> before Ohio State. So uh, so we will see. But I would not be surprised if we're heading that game uh, with one loss. I wouldn't be surprised if we're heading the game with zero losses. So before we switch it up and go into the, the – I mean, the only thing I do want to say about that is, like, I think a lot of it depends on who we get back. Like – if we can get back Ambry Thomas because he's draft eligible, if we can get back, you know, I think Tariq Black just hasn't put enough on film for him to leave, but he possibly could. But if Tariq comes back, maybe DPJ comes back. I think these are big things. Like Cesar Ruiz is draft eligible. If he comes back, I think, you know, just getting 
those pieces that, especially when you think about that Washington game, which is the first game of the year, if you can get those like senior pieces back, I think that bodes really well for us and, you know, could possibly lead to a victory. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, we haven't mentioned it, but I think the biggest thing on the question for, uh, on the table for especially an early loss is just a new quarterback starting. And Dylan has right. been <laughs> very injury prone. So it could be a very interesting start uh, to next year for sure. Yeah. We're going to have another quarterback battle this offseason and I feel like Harbaugh doesn't really give out a lot of information so it's going to be like interesting but also like I think like frustrating because you're going to have like all the beat writers just like writing mm. these semi BS articles and like who this person did this and this person did this but I don't and think you're going to be reading them all <laughs> yeah oh, oh yeah <laughs> um, so I don't I mean I don't think we're going to know who the starting quarterback is until they trot out in Seattle. For sure. And I don't want them to declare it either. It's better for game planning. Uh, it's a game planning slight advantage if you can try to hold that material to yourself. Anyway, a couple more Real Talks or overreactions. Shout out to uh, Ryan DeLeon from Grand Rapids for giving us both of these. One is a literal exact copy from our final pod of the year from last year. And it's that Real Talk or overreaction. We cannot feel good about this team until OSU next year. Also, I don't know, overreaction. It'll be fun potentially to beat Washington and Washington. I think it'll be fun to beat Michigan State and Lansing again. Like it can be, we're probably going to get one win over Penn State, which is a program I always enjoy beating, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I don't think I'll feel good about beating Ohio State uh, until that happens, but I think it'll be a fun season otherwise. Yeah, I, I again, I think that's an overreaction. Like there's... They're just, I mean, they're 11 games before that. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think if we go 11 and 0, I think we can feel pretty good about this. What season. if we blow out Alabama? That'd be pretty fun. That would be yeah, pretty fun. That would be awesome. Yeah, but it might only be happen. four weeks until we're yeah. feeling good about Maybe this. Maybe we could like, go up like 21 nothing on Alabama just because like, they just like don't give a shit and they like slowly claw back, but like we semi hold a lead. <laughs> and then Shea Patterson would be like, we're back. <laughs> and then we lose five games next. <laughs> that would be terrible. Uh, I also if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also think that's an overreaction. I think this just goes back to the general th- talk that we have had multiple times about what's your expectations of this team. For me, and I, I think I agree with both of you, I'm going to feel good about this team if we're getting wins against teams like Alabama, Washington, uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, like those games are meaningful to me, and I definitely will feel, feel good about the team if we're winning games like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Then the hot one, uh, the hot real talk over reaction, and uh, this one is real talk over reaction. Don Brown should be fired. You can fr- you can change this a little bit how you want to. You can say you want Don Brown to be the defensive coordinator. Don Brown should be, should be fired. Don Brown will be fired. This is just a conversation starter topic to get us talking about Don Brown. What do you guys think? I mean, I think it's an overreaction. Uh, obviously, he stunk it up the past two games against Ohio State. But yeah. I just – I don't know who we'd get. Um, I think he – the tough part is, like, I think a lot of this just falls on recruiting. And, like, you know, that's kind of on him, to be sure. But I don't know who – like, who – what defensive coordinators out there that – is going to be able to overcome the talent gap that Ohio State has over us. I don't know the answer to that. So, like, firing Don Brown and just, like, kind of throwing up your hands and saying, who do we get? I think that's just a little premature move. And I saw Charlie Strong was a defensive coordinator 
and he got fired from USF, and I think that's like the only defensive coordinator team that's out there. But like, I don't think he's better than Don Brown. So like, I I can say I say it's an overreaction because like I don't think if you don't have another plan, what are you doing? Yeah, I think I tend to agree with the overreaction. I, I mean, I for better or for worse, I lump Brown in a little bit with how I think of Harbaugh in that. Like, who are you going to get that's going to be better? Um, and, the, and the thing I think that stands out with Don Brown is is some of the ways in which we were destroyed last season by Ohio State were overcome or were changed. Like, I think he did throw out a different game plan. I think the defensive approach this season was um, was different, not just in the Ohio State game, but I think across the course of the season. I think the biggest complaints about him in years past were that he, like, oh, he's going to throw safety on a guy in the slot, and that's going to be how they're going to beat us. And that happened a little bit this year, but it happened a lot less than it did in years past. And I think same with like scrambling quarterbacks. Like that was something that, that ate us up a couple years earlier. And that's something that wasn't happening as much this year. And so I think he doesn't strike me as someone who's like stubborn and stuck in his ways. I think as much as maybe the fan base perceives him to be. And so I think he's still looking to innovate in ways that make him, you know, an asset. And um, I mean, his defense is so damn good for most of the games, it's really tough to like just chalk it up to, to, to an Ohio state game. I mean, I'll tell you what, if he gives up 50 points again next year, (laughs) then maybe I'll say, okay. I mean, because then like at that point you're like, very well might. Right. But then at that point you're just like, okay, what do we actually do? Because at that point, I mean, it's the, is it going to be four years in a row that he gives up 50 points? Like something's got to change. Cause I guess, you know, we talked about this earlier. We're not going to beat Ohio state unless we score 40 points. But in the same way, we're not going to beat Ohio State if we give up 50 points, right? Yeah. You mean you have to like probably give up something in the high 30s and like hope your offense can like you know score in the low 40s? Yeah, yeah. And that's I think how we're going to beat them. And I think if I mean like if he were fired or if he took a job somewhere else and we brought in another defensive coordinator, like I would not be, I would not have a blanket opinion that that was a bad decision. Like I think mm-hmm. there there are like ways, and maybe I'm not just as familiar with who's available, but like if they brought in someone who I was like, okay, I could see how this was a change. Maybe he's not got quite the track record Don Brown does, but he's someone different. And that's, there's reason for optimism there. I think like rolling the dice with something like that is like, this is a, you know, two years in a row is a, is a reason to do that if that opportunity arises. So I'm not, I'm not going to die on his hill, but also I, I, I don't have any better ideas. Yeah. I, I think I over agree that if you want, uh, my one word response, I would agree that's overreaction. Um, obviously, I 100% agree with what you said. We can't keep giving up 55 plus points to Ohio State and expect to come away with a win in this game. However, a firing is only as good as the alternative. And you can't just put out. I, I routinely hate when people say this person should be fired when they don't have a realistic expectation of who the next guy coming in is going to be. Uh, so I agree with that point. Uh, especially because uh, the players like unabashedly love him. Uh, he is uh, like he has put up top five slash number one defenses at Michigan and at Boston College before, um, despite having one game where he kind of shits the bet on that. Um, and I think the only I think the big flaw with him, and especially like you said, that he has kind of uh, changed his opinion and how he uh, has schemed the defense. He's this trying. Year. Yeah, he's trying. Uh, and hopefully he continues to try and how he puts players in position next year. But I think it's kind of unrealistic for us to have lofty expectations, particularly just for one game when we know we are getting like just smashed in recruiting and the athletes that are being brought into Ohio State versus our school. So in that sense, I agree. The only thing that I kind of 
makes me curious though is that uh, I do kind of wonder why Greg Madison wasn't our defensive coordinator instead of Don Brown, especially given his pedigree at Michigan, especially because I think he just wanted that defensive coordinator job. And that's the only reason why he lost uh, that, why he left Ohio state, especially because we knew when, when Greg Madison came in, uh, in his first year as defensive coordinator. I mean, he basically did it again right now this year at Ohio State. He just, like, oversimplified everything for the team and just allowed everybody to play faster. And I mean, they also have, like, faster players. Right, but uh, but in, in his first season at Michigan, in his very first season as defensive coordinator, he oversimplified everything, and that was one of our best defensive years of mm-hmm. Brady Hoke's first year. So in that sense, I kind of wonder why that didn't happen. But aside from him... Um, yeah, I'm just not sure who the alternative would be, so I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say he should be I mean, the only thing I'll say about that is, like, I think if Don Brown, if Greg Madison was our defensive coordinator this year, I don't think our defense, I, d- I still think we would have given up 50 to Ohio State. I don't think. It's definitely possible. I don't think <laughs> Greg Madison, like, changes that. I mean, like, you talk about Greg Madison's first year, but, like, that was also the first, the year that, like, Luke Fickle was the coach at Ohio State, and they like absolutely stunk it up. Like you know, that's but not helped. just in the Ohio State game. Like overall, our defense was playing miles better than it was the year before that that's Greg true. Madison came. And Greg Madison is a stalwart of a recruiter. Yeah, Don I mean, Brown loves his Northeast guys. I, yeah. <laughs> I thought. I mean, but but Madison was retained on staff after the Hope Harbaugh transition and w- w- seemed pretty willing to take a demotion to D line coach. Like, I don't, I think that, I don't know that how that explains him going to Ohio state. I think that's still a bit of a mystery to me. Um, but I mean, cause he, he's stayed on. So he was the only, I think the only person from Hoke staff to stay on for Harbaugh. And then he, and that's when they brought in Durkin to be the, the coordinator. I, I don't know. I, Clearly something happened because he wanted that defensive coordinator job. I, I Again, I agree with you. I don't know the full details. But anyway, let's keep it moving then and talk about one last football topic before we switch it up to the fun stuff of the yeah. basketball team. Uh, and we'll just get some quick hits on our general thoughts on the college football playoff. Uh, so no question in particular, uh, but we have uh, – Number one, the big switch today was LSU taking the one spot. They'll play Oklahoma in the first game. Uh, LSU early lines have them favored by 10. And then the other game, Ohio State drops down to the number two seed. Uh, They'll play uh, Clemson, Clemson, and Clemson is favored by two in that game. So what are you guys' thoughts about the playoff? I think the semifinals are December 28th. Yeah, I mean, that second game is going to be amazing, the Clemson versus Ohio State. I think Clemson is going to win it all. I just think... Trevor Lawrence is by far and away the best quarterback in college football, and his receiving core is ridiculous. So <laughs> they're just going to put up a ton of – I mean, they put up 62 on Virginia. I'm not saying Virginia is a good team. Putting up 62 on anyone is like a pretty ridiculous feat. Yeah. I mean, I'm just excited to see some new faces in the playoff, you know. Yeah. No, it's a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just like – I'm so less excited to see four teams that are just like always going to be yeah. there. I mean, it's – LSU is not – yeah. Bama, but it's still like, okay, do I really care to watch Oklahoma lose a game in the semifinals? Like, I guess maybe. But anyway, I, that's me. I digress. I, I think, think it's like every single college football playoff, except for 2014, either like Al- – it's, so it's been Ohio State, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, and Clemson. Three out of the four of them have made it almost every single year except for one year. It's like – it's insane. And ba- Bama's made it every year besides this yeah, year. Yeah, besides this yeah. year. But then this year – like Ohio, because Ohio State's missed it a couple of years, but like now Ohio State got in and they didn't. And there's always been like a revolving door of like Oregon made it one year, Georgia made it one year, uh, 
I can't remember. Uh, Washington, Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah. There's like always like one random team, but like those four, they like three of them steady, always yeah. just make it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the, the coolest thing I think is the quarterback play across the board is pretty high. Like all four teams yeah. yes. have really strong quarterbacks or at least quarterbacks capable of playing mm-hmm. really great games. Yeah. Um, that's exciting to watch. I kind of think, um, I kind of think Ohio State's going to win it all. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to like compare those yeah, teams, for sure. um, but they've looked so strong. And I, I mean, I think when seeing some people like having them drop down to the second seed, like the last couple of weeks, they've like had a close-ish game against Penn State, a close mm-hmm. game against close, close-ish game against uh, against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship. But like that's only relative to the blowouts they've been laying on everyone else mm-hmm. all season. So I think I still think that they're gonna they're gonna win it all. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think my only thoughts about this game, aside from it being like a similar slate of teams, I'm just excited to watch these like actual teams. Aside from the brands that they represent, right. like these teams have been pretty exciting to watch uh, all year round. Um, so I th- just think as far as like elite football, watching four teams play mm-hmm. elite football, I'm ex- really excited yeah. for this playoffs actually. And then the only other thing I, I'll add is that it's interesting that three of these four teams, uh, LSU, uh, OSU, and Oklahoma – have uh, quarterbacks that are coming off of a transfer. Yeah, that's that's true. So it'll be interesting to see, like, is this, like, the first blip into seeing this happening more mm-hmm. often as yeah. a transfer portal and just, like, not having to sit out a year becomes more of the norm yeah. in college football? Like, is this the first time where this is just – this is just the first time of many years that we continue mm-hmm. to see that? Yeah, I, I think been the, the interesting things for me are, you know, did the commit because obviously Oklahoma is the weakest out of the four. Did the yeah. committee get it right in terms of putting LSU 1 Ohio State 2 – and I actually think they did get it right because LSU's wins, like, I mean, obviously blowing out teams by a lot means something, but I think, the like, who you win is more important. And, like, you know, you'd look at LSU beat Auburn, Alabama, Florida, and, like, those three wins. Georgia. Georgia as well. I mean, I don't think Penn State is beating any of those teams. I don't think Michigan is beating any of those teams. I About don't to find out. Minnesota, <laughs> <well>. <laughs> I don't think Minnesota is beating any of those teams. Like, I think LSU is, like, we got Paul Feinbaum over here. Yeah. <laughs> Smear Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> like, I just think Ohio State had better wins. I mean, I think LSU had better wins, so I'm glad that they – and, you know, selfishly, I'm also glad that Ohio State has played Clemson and yeah. Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, selfishly, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I am also glad that Ohio State got the number two seed. I actually also do agree with you that LSU probably should be the number one seed. Uh, one s- point that you didn't mention, though, and that – puts me in favor of this though is LSU's defense was one of their biggest weaknesses and over the past three games they have really changed in how they're playing defense now they that they got like a more healthy uh defensive squad so I think their weakness um they're kind of overcoming that weakness and they're really trending up and especially with that statement they made yesterday uh against Georgia yeah I would put them at the one seat as well and yeah Joe Joe Burrow uh Fields Lawrence and even hurts Jalen, yeah. Uh, at times, I mean, those. So, if you yeah. if you like college football, uh, quarterback play. I mean, those are just and, exciting guys to watch uh, play. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were the not only were they the top two quarterbacks last year. They're like coming out of high school. They were actually the number one and number two players coming out of high school overall. Yeah, both of them from the state of Georgia. Right and now, neither of them are playing for the University of Georgia. Which <laughs> I think is like that kind of sucks for Georgia. <laughs> like you just see like these like. 
two homegrown talents that are just like amazing and like neither of them are playing for your school because like I don't know how Georgia let fields fields go yeah Yeah. you should have given him even more money I mean (laughs) I mean Fromm is like I mean I get it he's been a starter there for a long time but I mean you don't just assume a starting job exactly over like the number one quarterback coming out of college (laughs) um like who could have been your starting quarterback for years to come and yeah who's clearly taken them to the playoff Mm Uh, anyway, then let's switch it up. Then we're gonna switch up sports a little bit. Basketball season. Yeah, we're a basketball school. Yeah, officially, we, we are officially a basketball school. We've been saying this for years now, but now I think just <laughs> maybe we, I think we're just are now. Uh, aside from the culture of the school, our basketball team uh, is just become like the dominant sport at the University of Michigan as far as between football and basketball. And this is an exciting time. I mean, we started off the season unranked. We leapfrogged over to number four. We'll see what happens tomorrow when the new rankings come out. But, um, yeah, very exciting team. We got a very well-deserved win or in the uh, Bahamas basketball championship. The Bahamas, <laughs> baby. <laughs> it, was, it was the bad boy mower the Bahamas, Maui, or Bahamas Invitational. Oh, yeah. The, the bad, bad boy lawnmowers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then clearly, obviously, of which I have the, several. the biggest change going into this year is our new head coach and Jawan Howard. So right. a lot of fun times happening at Michigan basketball. What are your guys' thoughts on the season overall and the trajectory of the season? Sean, why don't you start us off? I'll start it off by saying, God damn, Juwan Howard is such an exciting coach to have as your head basketball coach. Um, clearly, uh, he's done a magnificent job in the short time he's been at Michigan. He's already pulling in McDonald's All-American, something that Michigan hasn't done, I think, in at least seven years. It may be 17 years, I think. <laughs> but anyway, a really long time since we pulled in uh, McDonald's All-American. Um and he's hitting the actual season this year, particularly after losing a lot of talent. We lost Chuck. We lost Poole. We lost Iggy. People thought this would be a down year. Will he be able to recruit guys into bringing in like a mediocre team? But he's just taking this team to an elite level. He's really continued Beeline's um, process of uh, – improving guys while they're at Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Livers has taken a big jump this year. Uh, Eli Brooks, ridiculously big jump this year. Uh, Teske, big jump this year. Uh, and uh, Z has taken a big jump this year as well. And like a lot of the other guys as well. So I'm just really happy he's our coach. And beyond that, he's just like a super fun dude. Like every yeah. post-game interview is super exciting. I love the Fab Five being involved. I love Jimmy King literally going to 100% yeah. of the home games. Uh, <laughs> Does he live in Ann Arbor? I don't know. He's going to literally all these games. They asked him, how many home games are you going to go to? He's like, all of them. <laughs> Duh. So, uh, yeah, I just think, yeah, I'm just super excited about this team overall. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by especially the Bahamas stuff. I'm that surprised. That was amazing. I did yeah. not think the, we'd be this the good one this thing, year. I mean, obviously we started out the year on rank, but like just to kind of look at it, I was always expecting this team to go into the second weekend just because they have so many veterans on this team. I mean, you know, you talk about X or Z. You talk about uh, <laughs> Teske's on the team. Livers is on the team. Um, Eli Brooks is on the team. I mean, there was a lot of really good players on yeah. this team. You know, the recruiting class before where you had Brandon Johns come in. Right. Obviously, bringing Franz Wagner. I mean, this was going to be like a really, really good team. And, I mean, it's nice to see the recognition we're getting. Obviously, that Louisville game was kind of a blowout, but I don't, I don't know. For me, I just like don't put that much stock in it because it was on the road. Right. 
we had just come back from Bahamas. Like it was like a really quick turnaround after playing the three games in three days. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we blew out Iowa recently. I mean, like obviously you talked about like Garza getting forty four points, but that game was like never close. So yeah, like, I'm just like excited to see this team. And it looked like the Big Ten actually has some decent teams at the top. It's very top heavy. So I think we can beat Michigan State. I don't think we can beat Ohio State, unfortunately. But, like, Maryland is, like, going to be a good game. So, it's going to be an exciting Big Ten season. Yeah, I think – I mean, I think I'm, – I'm with you. I thought our floor was pretty high. I don't know that we would have necessarily been, like, oh, I guarantee we'll make it to the second weekend. Um, but I think uh, uh, I think it's important to note that, like, with, a like, an awesome defensive point guard, an awesome defensive center, livers flexibly between the two and the four, like, we're starting with a pretty good floor. I think the most important things that I've seen – um, and I'll try to uh, try to distill this down. I think Livers taking a, a, an increased role in the offense and somehow becoming a little bit more efficient with his productivity is like a big surprise. And Bowie agrees. Uh, I also think you see guys like, like we talked about Brooks already, but like Brooks and Johns and Castleton and DeJulius all, oh, yeah, DeJulius, all yeah. look like guys that are trending like, you know, thinking before the season like, I wonder if, you know, one of these guys, a couple of these guys break out, that'll be good. I think we're seeing all four of them do a pretty good job. Yeah. And last but very not least, I'm so excited to see Franz. Let's go. Just take off as the season goes on. And I think that there's a really, really, um, like the, the bell curve, the meat of the bell curve is like him getting so much better as the season goes on. And I think the ceiling for this team is already so much higher than it seemed, um, you know, before the season kicked off. And I, I think that like we're the kind of team the way we're we're built. And having seen like we beat like I said we beat Iowa, um, and that was like a really fast paced game. We went up to the floor like a million times. We scoring over a hundred points. And like I think we can also play like a bogged down slow game, um, like kind of like the Louisville game in which we could we could win games like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we can beat a lot of different types of teams. Um, it seems a lot like a beeline team in the last couple years where the defense is good enough to, to keep us in the game against anyone. Yeah, I think for me, that's the biggest thing. It's it's so much fun to yeah. watch this team. Yeah. Um, you know, last year we were so good defensively, but our offense just, like, wasn't that good. And, like, obviously against that Texas Tech game, I mean, our offense just, like, completely stalled, and that's what you know, ended our season. So it's nice to just see, like, all these guys shooting really well and, like, how we're just having this up-tempo offense, which, mm-hmm. like, is fun to watch. Yeah, and I think there's still um – our offense is going to have that Achilles Hill still this year. Um, and, but, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'm maybe one of the bigger beeline fans of any Michigan fan, um, both his like style of play and like just the presence he has at the university. And it's pretty impressive to me that you get, go out and get Juwan Howard, who is very different from beeline in a lot of ways and still is so easy to cheer for, so easy to support. And like, it's pretty damn clear the players like him. Did you see there was like a report in the athletic that, um, like he is not getting along with like yeah. the Cavs players, so it's interesting. To s- I mean, I think he'll su- obviously survive this year and most likely next year too. But in two years, it's gonna be interesting to see like where jo- where sorry John Beeline goes. You know, just because I mean the NBA is like pretty quick to fire um, head coaches, and like the Cavs were a terrible team. Yeah. So I just don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen either. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, that's what I thought um, about the situation when he initially took the job was, okay, I get that you want to coach in the NBA, but the Cavs are one of the most horribly run organizations in the league, maybe aside from the Knicks. And 
it's just like, especially when you go to a team that's losing games, like we've already seen with the Knicks this year, they've already fired their head coach. Like no bets are off when you take a team that's in that much of a shambles, especially when they're led by just like absolute atrocity yeah. up top. So in that sense, I'm worried about it. I do think this news story in particular is probably made a little bit more of a big deal than it actually is. Uh, the I think there was one or two players who came out anonymously and they were questioning John Beeline's methods. But then uh, it seems like most of the team has now since rallied behind John Beeline, including That's Tristan Thompson, um, including some other players. They've said, like, this is ridiculous. Don't talk bad about it to coach. And they actually, like, they went out and said, I love coach. They really yeah, like playing so, for him. So uh, one of our really good friends, uh, John Yuntra, shout out to Q. Q. He, he like, uh, I don't know, he seems to know a lot about a lot about sports that – I don't know. I just don't know where he gets this information. <laughs> but like, you see, it was like. Uh, I bet it's the internet. <laughs> well, I I, mean, I just don't spend that much time on the internet. But, uh, <laughs> he was talking about how like you know it seemed to come more from like the veterans, but it's nice to see that they've like started to like rally around him. Yeah. Uh, so the only thing that I want to say before uh, we end talking about basketball, unless you guys got anything to say, because I talk about basketball all day, uh, is the recruiting class we have possibly coming up at Michigan mm. is possibly unreal we already have isaiah todd who i i legitimately am not overstating how high i am on isaiah todd he's definitely <laughs> he's already the background on my phone so if he changes the decision that will be highly disappointing yeah, RIP dear i really think he could be a top 10 player in the nba he looks so so good and i think it was just yesterday the day before he put up like 25 plus points and his his like inside outside game for a guy who's six nine six ten is just unreal. He can play with his back to the basket. He can uh, cross you up from the perimeter. He can pull up. It, he can his pull up J is ridiculous. His catch and shoot is ridiculous. His ability to find guys is ridiculous. And this guy is like six nine six ten, like freak athlete. So that is super exciting. Zeb Jackson, super exciting. Hunter Dickinson, I wouldn't be surprised if he commits. Joshua Christopher, a five star uh, two guard who's six four from California. He's considering Michigan. And this could easily be like four guys, and I'm not saying we'll get all of these, but mm-hmm. it could easily be four guys that are just like elite, right. which we, is are insane. We, are we gonna get Bronny James Jr. in a couple of years? Probably, that, hopefully. And like Zaire Wade, Zaire Wade. Yeah, like we need these guys. I mean, that's all. <laughs> that's why we got uh, Jawan Howard. Yeah, right? seriously. I mean, his dad was on the team with them so because he's. Twitter friends with LeBron James. That's why we got no, Jawan I Howard. Think, was he, They're real friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. He was on, <laughs> did Jawan Howard win a championship? With two. Those, he won with those Miami. Yeah. yeah. And then he was coaching too. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, uh, to your point, Sean, like about the recruiting class coming in, the other thing that's really like thinking ahead as we get, get ahead, like I think that we're all seeing the future transform to more of the elite players, more players that are going to be in and out in a year or two than what we saw with Beeline. Yeah. I think the thing that's really nice is even if, I mean, I don't like to look too far ahead because I'm really like Simpson and I really like Teske, but like you see those guys leave after this year. Um, Even if someone like Livers goes pro, which is plausible at this point, you've got like DeJulius, Brooks, Franz, even Johns. Johns and even Castleton coming back. So like those guys are coming in with a lot of upside, but not a ton of p- p- pressure. Like, you know, they're going to be able they to play. Yeah. They're going to be able to play in as needed or, or as they earn it. And so like, that's kind of a cool to see the transition happen. Like, like Howard came in with the coverage pretty, um, pretty full. Stocked, yeah. yeah for unlike, sure. Lots of peanut butter. Yeah. Unlike our football coaches over the past, like 
don't know, the last three football coaches, I feel like they're just coming with like bare covers. And I like, thought we were going to talk about football and then transition to basketball <laughs> and then stay well, with basketball. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a football guy. I just, uh, you know, I, I mean, our, our football, our basketball <laughs> team has been playing so well, but just, I just, I'll always go back to football. Okay. On that note, we'll head right into the rap outro uh, for the final pod in the 25th uh, pod. We'll do uh, Juicy by Notorious B.I.G. Because I had to throw it back to a rap song from the mid-90s. Just how I'm feeling about this this basketball team, throwing it back to the Fab Five days with Juwan Howard back as a basketball coach. I'm just feeling some juicy vibes for the rest of the year. So I had to uh, bring it back to the mid-90s and shout it out to the B.I.G. And on that note, I'm going to tell a quick story about the podcast I listened to on the way over here. So if you haven't heard already, Grant Newsom was on uh, NPR's podcast called Only a Game. And not that you want to listen to a podcast that puts out a synopsis of another podcast. But (laughs) if you want the quick hits, it just tells a story about Grant Newsom. Uh, and if you're not familiar with his story, which you probably should be, he was our starting left tackle back in 2016, and he suffered a gruesome injury at the big house with Jim Harbaugh as his coach, uh, putting a block on the left side, and he uh, basically couldn't play football again. He decided to give it, uh, hang it up, but he had like a, a month-long stay in the hospital, had had to have emergency surgery because his vascular supply to his lower leg was compromised after this hit. Uh, potential he, amputation, right, for a while? Was a, a potential amputation. Yeah. He wasn't sure if he would walk again. He yeah. said his biggest moment for like a month straight was just moving from the bed to the chair. Just an absolute tough time, uh, especially once he realized that he didn't have an ACL tear. He thought he was scot-free, and then he ended up having to have emergency surgery. But hearing his... Uh, so, despite what you want to think about Michigan football in its darkest of times, uh, his mom, so it actually made me teary-eyed, his mom talking about how appreciative he was to have Jim Harbaugh as his football coach, it just, it just shows that this isn't, it just showed to me that this isn't the NFL. Like, a lot of these college coaches, maybe not a lot of them, maybe it is a few of them, actually really do care about these guys and really do care about these families. And I, I just feel proud to have Jim Harbaugh as our head football coach when he has shown and to hear these parents talk about him uh, in that way. It was just a pretty special moment. So I would go ahead and check out that pod if you haven't already. Do they talk about his like political car- like career and aspirations? Yeah. They, well, they talk about now he switched into being in the school of public policy. And actually, the re- one of the interesting things they talked about was John Bacon was deciding whether he wanted to have his kid play football. And he said, my way of deciding that was to a- ask Grant Newsom and his parents if they would still have Grant play football given the t- injury that he had. And they actually all unanimously said yeah, unanimously said yes, they would still play football. So from what I understand, John Bacon's kid is playing football now. Future but, president, Grant Right, exactly. Anyway. I feel like John Lee Bacon's w- kid wouldn't be playing left tackle. Though. <laughs> he seems like kind of a small guy. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, uh, that's the last pot of the year right there. We're uncertain what will happen uh, for the rest of the basketball season. We might hit you up with some pods uh, next year. But if that does not happen, we'll definitely be back next fall to hit you up with some more football pods. And who knows? We might be in it for the long haul from there. Uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and end the pod right there. Do you guys want to go blue? I had one quick question. <laughs> who do you got as a leading score for the basketball team the rest of the season? This season? Yeah. Livers. Uh, I, 
I want to say like Franz will eventually pick it up, but yeah, I do think Clippers. I'm gonna go Teske. Ooh, Ooh. I mean, he won we'll that see. basketball tournament MVP, so he's got it in him for sure. I just want to see what, what Franz can do, like given, yeah. like I mean, he's only played what one, two, three, five games so far, right? So. I mean, our basketball team's what, played nine or eight games, but I just want to see him like be a regular part of that rotation and see what he can do, because he is dynamic. Yeah. yeah. All right, 25th pod, over and out. Peace out. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Peace out. Go Blue. Go Blue.